Hey, good morning, Miles City. Hey, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Philip Box, and I have the honor of being the lead pastor of Trails Church. Uh, it was just over a year ago today that Miles City sent me and a bunch of other people out to go plant a new church in Farmington Hills. Uh, and so I have the honor today to be able to communicate to you and share as we walk through God's Word. I want to say up front that, listen, I love your pastor. Travis Whitaker is one of the core people in my life who truly loves and cares for me and my family. Uh, And so, church, you are truly blessed with him as your pastor. You have no idea how many times I've heard him fight for you and talk about and pray to God and ask for direction in this church of what to do. Uh, And so love on your pastor, encourage him, pray for him, love on his family, love on his wife. Uh, He truly is uh, a great pastor. Now, enough of that mushy stuff. All right, no, I'm kidding. But seriously, hey, over the last few weeks as a church, you guys have been walking through the letter of Philippians. Uh, Previously, the series was called Joy, and now we're turning to the last two chapters of the book of Philippians. And it almost feels like the Apostle Paul has become the first person ever to do a greatest hits. I mean, there are so many phrases in there that it feels like a greatest hits. I, I mean, can you imagine even, think about the first century Christians Imagine someone like kind of taking Paul's words and making becoming like the first Christian boy band to be able to like perform the greatest hits. I kind of think of like Shane and Shane, uh, but maybe a little bit more sandals and long hair. If that's too current for you, like think Bill Gaither, vocal band, Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman knows. Hey, if that's not even current, one of my favorite Christian boy bands of all time is none other than Travis Whitaker's thirsty for more. And I, I, have it, I love it so much that I, I have the very own CD. As you can see, there's a beautiful picture right there of Travis Whitaker. Thirsty for more. And so church, if you don't know what this is, if you have no idea, man, I am so honored. Go to Spotify, go to Apple Music and go look up Thirsty for More. Hey, if you come in person, come see me and I'll give you a copy because uh, we got to get this bad boy out there. There goes the sleeve cover right there. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you got to get this album. Listen, but we're, we're in this series called Greatest Hits. And the Apostle Paul, as he walks through this letter, there are so many great hits. And, and today I get to kick this off where Paul turns to encourage the, the people and the readers of this day, the early Christians and us today, on how to know about Jesus. That in fact, that Jesus isn't just pretty important. Rather, he's ultimate. And let me pray for us before we dive into Philippians chapter 3. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for Miles City and how you have crafted and cared and and planned and prepared for this church. God, I thank you for the people that attend here and pour into and the staff that care about this church and this mission. God, would you continue to bless it? God, today as we turn towards your word, would you encourage us? Would you take your living and active word and apply it to our life? Help us to hear from you today. We are ready. Speak to us now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. And so you can open it up there. But if you don't have it, I got it on the screen for you. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. He starts off by saying, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Paul kicks it off and he says, listen, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. 
And I will never get tired. Some people would think, oh, he gets kind of tired of telling us to rejoice. And the things that he's about to tell us, we would think maybe Paul gets tired of that. No, he tells us, I never get tired of encouraging and reminding you of these basic truths. He goes on to say this, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. He says, watch out for those dogs. Speaking of greatest hits, remember that song? Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who? Like when, when Paul wrote this, Paul wasn't saying, watch out for the puppies, those cute little puppies. No, he wasn't saying that. In fact, dogs at this time were wild, feral, disobedient, angry people. They were dangerous and people would be running. And so Paul is actually referring to a religious group of leaders who would say, hey, listen, you can trust Jesus as your Lord, but listen, you also got to do like this physical operation thing. Hey, there's some Old Testament stuff that you got to do. And so you got to do this and then we'll be good. And Paul wants to remind each of us Hey, listen, watch out for those false teachers. Watch out, he calls them dogs. Those people who lead you in the wrong way. He goes on to say this, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Paul wants to make sure, listen, when it comes to matters of the faith, there can be no confidence of receiving faith, of trusting faith from something that we do. No amount of good deeds, no amount of good attendance, no amount of religious worth or anything, nothing we can take confidence for except on our faith in Jesus alone. But too often I think what happens is we say, yeah, I know, it's Jesus alone. But listen, like, I've been really good. I went to church this weekend Hey, man, I was really good. I went three weeks in a row. Hey, I've been really good. I gave a little bit extra here. I didn't really want to kill my neighbor. I actually even shoveled my uh, neighbor's driveway this weekend. And, and we make these things that are good things, and we think it's because of those. I have faith, but it's because of those other things as well that God's going to let me in. I put it this way, that if we're not careful our heart is to prone. Our heart is prone to trust in other things instead of Jesus. If we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll say, I understand that it's Jesus that I should trust in, but really there's these other list of deeds and do's that probably are the real way that I'm going to get in. And our heart begins to trust in those things. The Apostle Paul on this topic again encourages us on this topic. A fun little note here, at Mile City and at the church that I lead, Trails Church, we both value the number seven. For Mile City, they have seven key mile markers. At Trails, we have seven key core values. And I think it's interesting, I point that out, because you know, I think God had a little fun here. Because the list that the Apostle Paul is about to walk through, he highlights seven things that often we put our trust or confidence in over our faith. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort. And if anyone could, indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Again, Paul's like, listen, I know you think you're confident, but listen, I'm the real deal. I'm the professional Christian. 
Like, you think you're good. I'm a pro. And he goes through these seven things. Here's what he says. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish of law. I mean, these are five things right here that he highlights. He kind of says, listen, I was a Pharisee. Pharisees were the people who had to obey the law to the T. They were the people who had to obey it. And he said, look, I had the strictest obedience. Not only that, I was, you think you were cool when you were baptized as a baby? Listen, I was circumcised at eight days old. You think your tradition and your knowledge is good? I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a true-blooded person. He's, He's boasting about his rank, his status, his ethnicity. These things that we often have. You think you're big, look what I have. He goes on to say this. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. You think you have passion? You think you're excited? Man, I was so zealous that I persecuted the church. You think you were so good? I followed the law and I was blameless, as other translations say. I had no faults. I was perfect. Sometimes we hear this, and maybe you know someone that you look at and you go, man, that's a pro. I mean, we think about Christians. There's people who follow Jesus. Then there's like the professional Christian. And we think, man, that person gets it. You would think that Paul, he's, he's performed all of this. He has all this. And he'd go, ah, see, I'm the best. But what he says is so shocking. Next, here's what he says. I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Those things that I said, my status, my rank, my ethnicity, my history, my family heritage, those things are important. But listen, you thought those were big? No, those all worthless. They have no value, no meaning. They're nothing because of what Jesus has done for me. And we think, I mean, he probably just got excited. Sometimes, you know, pastors, they get really excited, you know. That's probably what he meant. No, no, Paul goes on, and here's what he says. He, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ my Lord. He doubles down. He, we kind of go, okay, Paul, that was kind of intense there. Worthless? He goes, yes, everything is worthless compared to knowing Jesus and I hear that. I'm like, man, that, that's pretty powerful. It's powerful language. But Paul's not done. We thought, wow, he says it twice. He takes it a step even further. Here's what he goes on to say. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ All those other things that our heart is prone to trust in, it's all garbage. It's worthless to knowing Jesus. Uh, Here at Mile City, uh, one of the pastors here, his name is Barry Martin. And Barry Martin is a good friend of mine. And Barry, if you know anything about Barry, uh, Barry loves his King James Version Bible. He always loves King Jimmy. 
Uh, when I talk to him, he's like, he starts memorizing scripture. And sometimes he goes to that good old King Jimmy. And while I was preparing for this, I wanted to see kind of what the King James Version said. And you know, Barry, I'm pretty happy because this turns to say even more powerful language. Here's what the King James Version says on this. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but dung that I may win Christ. It's all, yep, that word that you're thinking of. It's all dung. It's all dung. It's not just garbage, it's poop. He, he uses that word dung, like we can think about humans or animals, and we think about how nasty that is and how stinky and smelly. That's the point. That's all dung. But we, we're so tempted, our hearts are so tempted to trust in other things, good things, but we make them the ultimate thing. Self-worth, righteous deeds, praise from other people. On this very topic, one of the commentators and pastors that I love, Francis Chan, he has a powerful quote on this. And here's what Francis says. He says, you can have the bread of life that will eternally satisfy. Or you can have a pile of dung. Which do you prefer? The dung of religious self-efforts and earthly praise and possession? Or the eternal joy of knowing Jesus? We can have the self-righteous and the evil things of the world that it all amounts to just dung and poop and feces. Or we can have the joy of knowing Jesus. We can have the joy of knowing Jesus. And we all fall into this trap that we think praise from others or our self-efforts are enough. I mean, I'm a church planner. Like, I mean, there's like pastors in ministry and then there's church planners. We all kind of elevate ourselves like, oh, we're the real pastors. We fall into this trap, but it's all garbage to knowing Jesus. At the church that I have the honor of leading trails, uh, Trails Church, we are walking through another letter the Apostle Paul wrote. It's the book of Colossians. It's the, it's the book right before Philippians. And, and in Colossians, we are walking through this idea that Paul keeps hitting on as well, that Jesus, in fact, is supreme. That he isn't just important, he's supreme. Hey, for those of you who like extra homework and like to hear a few things, hey, I encourage you a little bit later, go read Colossians chapter one, maybe oh, chapter one, jot that down, maybe go look at it. In there, you're going to see that the Apostle Paul shows us that Jesus was before all things. Before anything was created, it was God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit together. Not only was he before all things, that he, Jesus was active in all things. And that he actually sustains, he holds all things together. And because of that, Jesus isn't just kind of a big deal. He's preeminent. He's ultimate. He's first. He's the chief. Again, Paul says this same verbiage here in Philippians. He's trying to make us understand that Jesus is a big deal. He's not just a big deal. He is the deal. And so when I'm reading this and I'm preparing this, I can't help but ask a question that I asked my own church when we think about this idea in our life, and that's this. Is Jesus pretty important or ultimate? 
Think in your own mind. Is Jesus pretty important or is he ultimate? I mean, let's just, let's just think for a minute. Healthcare, pretty important. Caring for my kids, pretty important. Brushing my teeth, my dentist says, pretty important. Um, money in the bank, pretty important. Providing for my family, pretty important. Jesus, oh yeah, 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 pretty important. And what happens so often is we take these good things, these important things, and we elevate them to the same status of Jesus. And then what happens? Life happens. And we begin to elevate and go, oh, Jesus, you're important, but listen, my family needs more. Hey, Jesus, you're important, but my bank account needs more. Hey, Jesus, you're important, but this needs more. Paul would push and encourage us. God's word would push and encourage us that Jesus isn't just pretty important. Rather, he is ultimate. He is above all, in all, through all, and he sustains all. Why? Maybe you hear this and you're going, okay, but why? Like, I, I hear you, Philip, and I, I hear what you're saying, but like, why is he that important? I love the Apostle Paul because he doesn't leave us with questions. Rather, he kind of points us in the right direction. Here's what he goes on to say this. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Listen, before Jesus, we had to obey the law to the T. Before Jesus, they used sin. Whoops, uh-oh, now you're done and you're in hell forever. All of a sudden, without Jesus, we had to obey it to the T. And here's what he says, that I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I have become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. It's no longer about me. It's no longer about what I do. It's rather what has already been done for me through Jesus it's because of Jesus that we can be made right. Look, we each have sin. We have a huge problem in our life that separates us from God. But God didn't go, that's tough, figure it out. No, what did God do? He invaded our world. He sent his son Jesus to come live on this earth and to restore us, to reconcile us back to himself. Romans, there's a letter, Romans chapter 8, and here's what it says. The law of Moses, the Old Testament, the, the old way, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. I love that phrase. God did what the law couldn't. He provided a way out. The law was never meant to survive. The law was never meant to save us. It was to show our great need for a Savior, and Jesus became our Savior. This is why he isn't just pretty important. This is why he's ultimate. This is why Paul would say that everything is worthless. It's dung. It's garbage to knowing Jesus.
And so in light of that message, I want to close a little different. I want to close by asking some questions of reflection. Because sometimes we hear a message, we hear something, and we kind of go, yeah, that's awesome. What do we do with it? Here's some questions for us to consider. Here's the first one. In your life, is there someone or something that has taken priority over Jesus? Listen, we need to be honest here. Is there someone or something that we've elevated above Jesus? I'm constantly reminded of where my own heart is prone to wander. My own heart is prone to be able to say, these things matter. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm the reason why. I'm the most ultimate. And I have to repent of that and seek his forgiveness. And I'm so glad that when I do, he's not up there going, how dare you? Rather, he's going, my son, my daughter, come home. Is there someone or something that you've elevated over Jesus? Maybe today you need to repent and respond to that. The second question would be this. Are you trying to be a good person? Or do you believe that Jesus is enough? I think today in our world we all want to be good people. I just want to be a good person. I hear that all the time. I just want to be a good person. I want to have good morals. And sadly, what that translates to say is that that's going to, when I die and I go to heaven, I'm going to get there because I'm a good person. I'm not as bad as fill in the blank. We look at ourselves and we think, okay, I'm anywhere from Mother Teresa to Hitler. I'm in the middle. And that's going to get me in. We believe that. Or do we believe the truth that is Jesus alone that saves us? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that it is by grace that we are saved. Through faith, not through works so that no one can boast. Are we, are we trusting in this moralistic, therapeutic faith? Or are we trusting in Jesus? And then I, I wanted to give you a freebie. Here's a, here's a freebie. Does this truth change the way you live? Does this truth change the way you live? Listen, we don't just come to Jesus and stay the way that we are. Anytime you read about Jesus impacting someone's life in Scripture, their life is completely different. Yeah, not overnight. Sometimes we see overnight transformation. But it's day by day. And so can you look at yourself realistically? If you claim to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can you say that I am different than when I was a week ago, two weeks ago, five years ago? It should change the way that we live. My hope today is that you would see that Jesus is worth it all. Everything else is worthless to knowing him. And he cares about us so much that he wants to be active in our life. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus for restoring us. And it's because of Jesus dying on a cross for our sins 
And it's because of his death, burial, and resurrection that we are saved. God, we, we forgive us, God. Would you forgive us when our heart is so prone to trust in other things to save us? Forgive us when we trust other things than surrender our life to you. God, I'm so thankful that you are not a God who's angry, disappointed, waving your angry finger at us. Rather, you are waving your arms and saying, come home, come home. God, I pray that we'd fall at your feet and surrender. As we continue to pray, I know that maybe you're hearing this today and maybe you have a moment and you're realizing that, man, I've trusted these other things to save me and you're hearing that it's Jesus alone. Scripture is really clear. It says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and you will be saved. Maybe today you're hearing that and today you, you've realized you've tried these other things. You've tried good morals. You've tried doing well. You've tried the church attendance thing. You've tried all good things, but you haven't trusted Jesus. And maybe today is the day that Holy Spirit's getting a hold of your life and saying, come to me. If that's you, I want to guide you through a prayer. This is an honest conversation you can have with God right now. You simply say, Heavenly Father, God, here am I. God, I need you. God, forgive me for trying my own way to rescue my own life. God, would you forgive me of my sin? Forgive me for trusting in other things, trying to pursue my own way rather than trusting you. God, I believe that your son Jesus accomplished salvation by dying on the cross and rising again three days later. So Lord, today I want to place my faith and my trust in you. Become the king of my heart and the king of my life. Praise Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. Well, hey, if you made that faith decision, or maybe those other questions that I talked about are kind of stirring in your heart and you have, you want to talk about it. I would encourage you, don't X off, don't just keep driving. Hey, listen, text the word Mile City to 94,000. Just go ahead and text Mile City to 94,000 and follow the Steps for Faith move and know that a pastor will reach out to you this week so that we can be able to walk through what does it mean to treasure Jesus above all.